0: Welcome to the Ignition Podcast, which takes you all off of cars and shows you the possibilities. I have conversations with people in automotive and motorsport to discover how they got to where they are today. CEOs, racing drivers, influencers and more. If you are interested in how these people live their lives and what they've done to get to where they are today, you're in the right place. This episode was one that took me by surprise. Alex Goy is known for his upbeat and quirky approach to journalism, but you will find that on this podcast we talk more about behind the scenes, I won't just like living your dream job. So enjoy an old one that, that I didn't realise until now was one of the best. You like cars, right? That's why you listen to this podcast. Well, I've got exciting news. The Ignition podcast is going in person. I'm creating a space for all of us to meet. I'm inviting guests, audience members, and business owners that I've had on the podcast. Now, if you want to meet some of the guests we've had, well, this is your chance. I want you to email me at harry to come to the event. It will be on Friday the 6th of October from 6pm to 9pm. There'll be music, food, laughter, and most importantly, a quick explanation of what I plan for the future. So if you want to come and you're interested in knowing more, please shoot me an email. I look forward to seeing you guys in person. Alex, welcome to the podcast. How are we? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. So a little question I'd like to start with is, um, what ignited your passion for cars?
1: I was a fairly late bloomer to cars. One Christmas... I think when I was I was a kid uh, someone uh, my, my my dad said what do you want and I went cars and uh, he got me the because uh, my mum had a Rover Metro at the time I got the Mighty Metro scale electric set which at the time was a very unfunny joke because I hated mum's car because it was a Rover <laughs> Metro so that put me off cars now though 2 Metro 6R4 scale Extric sounds mega yeah it was about when I was 14 15 when I realised soon I would be able to drive stuff and I started getting into it and it's just when the Clarkson Hammond and May Top Gear was kind of kicking off, 2003 I think it was. Yeah, I was 20, well no, I was, I was 17 2003 so it was, I think it was very early days of that or the late days of, of the old one I just started realising, hang on, soon I'll be able to drive and get out of here. So, um, yeah, I, I had that and I, uh, that, that was that really, um, top gear, top gear became a thing that we watched. And then I realized I could do that for a job.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Brilliant. I've tried to religiously stalk your career progression and I can't seem to find where you started. So for those that don't know much, where did you start?
1: Okay. So the journey is strange and complex and starts with me very nearly getting arrested for speeding in the middle of Leeds. Do tell. Yeah, so I, was, I, I went to university off a sort of drunken whim after my father died before my A-levels and I did a PR degree, um, which is a degree you can actually do and get an actual degree, and I promise. I didn't really like it, didn't really get on with it. I didn't get on with academia at all, uh, but I liked the idea of, of writing, but I didn't know what about. And then I was driving a mate home uh, well, to the train station in Leeds. Uh, he'd been visiting for the weekend and uh, I drove very fast through the middle of town, very, very fast. And a policeman pulled me over and went, is this your car? I went, yeah. I said, Why are you driving it like it's Nick then? And I was like, oh God, okay. I've seriously messed up here. Thankfully, he only gave me a license production. Like he could have just ended it right there. But he, he realized what was going on. Um, and he just needed to scare me. So I, yeah, I, I got this license production. Uh, and I drove home very sheepishly from dropping my friend off at the station. And in my halls was a, a copy of Top Gear magazine and a DVD on the front with like highlights from series three or series one or something like that whatever it was Um, and I thought from that moment I was like I want to do that for a job that is what I want to do and so all my efforts were punted that way at least as and when I could so I did work experience things here and there. I kind of I spoke to as many people as I, as I could. This is pre-social media. Email was a thing, but I was still basically a kid, so my email was something offensive at hotmail.com. Like, it wasn't it wasn't something you'd, you'd uh, talk to people with, uh, really. Go, hello, please take me seriously. I am, I don't know, frog jumper 98 or some nonsense like that. Um, anyway, uh, I had a placement year from university, working for a children's newspaper called first news, which is still going very strong. It had just started then. Uh, and I got fired because I wasn't meant to write for children and I wasn't very good at my job. I was just a bit rubbish. I was enthusiastic, but wasn't quite ready yet. And so I used the rest of the year to do internships and make friends, uh, in the industry. And it was from there that I met a good few people, like some, some really, really solid mates now. Um, and then after university, um, it was 2008, which you might remember is when all the money fell off. There was no money. So it was a really bad time to try and get into automotive journalism. This turned out to be a really good thing for me yeah. because, you know, I did the intern trail. So I was at Auto Express for for months on end. I was at, uh, at Piston Heads for a whole summer. I think that was during my placement year. I was there for three months. Uh, I did uh, also car. I did what car, basically anywhere. Uh, Top Gear didn't do placements at that point, or they didn't want me. Either way, didn't matter. Uh, I was I was everywhere, but it was while I wasn't earning much money that I realised there was a bit of a gap in the market, and there was a um there was a a, a short lived uh, site called iMotor, which I was interning for. Now iMotor uh, was found, was ed- edited by CarWows Matt Watson. So he was doing the video on Auto Express and they punted him over to this thing called iMotor, which is all digital all the time. And the idea was you would uh, you'd have a magazine layout and you would turn the pages on your computer uh, and you could change the news videos and you could do interactive features. And it was really cool. Um, and I remember suggesting, why don't we do a podcast? It'll take half an hour of your time. I'll edit it. I'll learn it. Um, and uh, the answer was no. Can't do that. And iMotor was, sadly, and I genuinely sadly, it was killed off about three months before the iPad came out and it would have been the perfect marriage of the two. It would have been absolutely blinding. But anyway, um, but yeah, so I took that, no, we're not going to do a podcast to mean, well, do it yourself. So I did. Uh, I set up the gas station Podisode um, with, and the, the idea behind it was I'd have an established journalist, a chap called John Quirk, um, who, was, who I'd worked with at Sky Motoring and, and at Piston Heads um we'd get john in to be the sensible grown-up journalist who actually knew things we'd get my flatmate and one of my best mates phil uh, to be the everyman who would ask the stupid questions and then i would sort of front it and be the loud one we were basically the in-betweeners of motoring journalism it was a bit tragic but it was quite perfect fun. but the idea was get me a job or at least get me notoriety within the industry so that people knew i could do stuff and i was going to hang around um and it worked. I mean, it did. We were going for a good couple of years because there was no money for for ages. So we started it yeah. in what two thousand and nine, I think 2009 ish, two thousand ten ish, maybe. And because I was doing bits of work here and there, like the, the the world was picking up. But you know, we were being invited as the podcast onto launches, onto like to go drive stuff, onto special events, onto xyz and we did a volvo drive to snow bombing festival in meyerhofen and i met this bloke called drew on it It this, this this duo called drew drew and rory from cnet and they did cnet's car tech videos and these two will be quite important later on in the story and we sort of kept in touch and we had a good giggle um and it was it was a blast um and then you know we got people kept seeing what the, what the podisode was doing. And then I was getting more freelance gigs and it was all managing quite neatly. Uh, I was also, I also, because there was again, not really anyone else doing it. Um, I did a weekly news video from my bedroom. I was in a flat in Putney and I taught myself how to script, uh, how to write the news, how to edit badly. I hasten to add, I mean, they're still out <laughs> on the internet somewhere, I think. Um, but, you know, I, I taught myself how to do this stuff because I wanted to present, but no one was going to pay to teach me and no one was going to take a punt because no one had any money. So with the, the these two things combined with getting freelance work and doing things and editors genuinely taking a punt on this bloke who was refusing to go away, the unflushable intern. Um, I uh, yeah, I managed to sort of eventually get a job in the tail end of 2011 at this news agency I'd been sort of doing freelance bits for um. And then uh, I'll I'll never forget it, because we were at a Toyota Yaris hybrid launch, and the chap I was driving with I'd known for a while, and he was taking ages to get in the car, ages and ages and ages. And he sat in, I went, well, to get the job then? He went, how did you know? I didn't, but now I do. (laughs) This is excellent. Uh, And yeah, it turns out he'd just been offered a job at at a magazine that he'd always wanted to work for. And I went, can I have your old job? And he went, yeah go on then Perfect. so we made that happen i was there for five months uh because three months in this drew chap from before got in touch and went we need someone who's good in front of a camera knows people is a bit cheap um and is is keen and we need them to make mm. the kind of films we want we want you to make or you want to make sorry like we want someone who's enthusiastic not you've been sent out on this launch say these things about the car not identikit stuff uh mm. and that was drew stern from from now carfection then x car um he was setting it up because he and rory reed were doing the cnet on car stuff rory left when x car was going to be a thing he went to recombu and then uh did did a thing called top gear for a bit he's quite he got quite famous and now yeah. he's an auto trader obviously but yeah drew <laughs> drew said um yeah come and come and play and that was kind of it like there was lots of freelance the podcast had got my name out there the video stuff had taught me how to present and i'd done little bits for other people but not you know i was very very keen to do it but no one it's expensive and it's difficult and it takes ages for quite little return especially back then because you had to you couldn't do a decent video on an iphone you had to have proper cameras and proper software. And like now in theory, if you're, if you clued up enough, you can get an iPhone 13 in cinematic mode and smash it. But but then you just, you just couldn't, this is what it, it 10, 11, 12 years ago, like internet video was expensive and difficult. Um, and yeah, so all of those things sort of combined. And then I ended up on, I was allowed to do the podcast, but I just, I didn't have the time to do it. And John and Phil had other lives to be getting on with. Um, and yeah, X car became a thing. And that was my career. That was my job for five years. It became Carfection in, um, 2016. Um, yeah, that we had a Charlie Rose, former, former producer. It was his yeah. first day, poor sod. And he, uh, he'd, he'd signed on for a job at X car. And then his first day and I was like, right, Charlie, welcome to Carfection." He went, I'm sorry, what? um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah, the fallout was quite, quite vicious, uh, of that. It's, showed me how how truly horrible the internet could be um and then um yeah i left carfection in uh mid 2017 i was offered this amazing job with amazing this and amazing that and lots more money at uh another website uh and i i i did not get on with it I, i'm not sure what legally i'm allowed to say about it as a contract <laughs> in a cupboard over there somewhere but i really really fucking hated that place it just yeah. i felt like i'd been sold a lie um and it it, it kind of messed me up a little bit um you know i'm very i talk very openly and honestly about mental health and i knew i was on the wobble because i'd been in therapy before i got there but yeah it, it turned out that uh not the place for me. I, I found it very no. difficult to be there. So I left after, I think I started in the June and I handed in my notice in the November and I had three months to work. So I was there less than a year. Um, and then went freelance and now went freelance and I'm very happy to be working with the people I, I work with. So still doing stuff for Carfection, which is just a joy working with uh, some serious like some seriously awesome places um, all over all over the world. Like Top Gear in uh, in the UK, um, Road and Track, The Drive and Jalopnik in, in the States, Business Insider, like all these oh, GQ as well. Geez, I never, never thought I'd be a GQ man. I'm a shiny boy, (laughs) I'm a shiny boy with glasses. I'm not an an, an ultra fashionable chap. So yeah, that's that's kind of it. In looking at my my timings, a thousand hour nutshell.
0: And this, in this podcast, I decided to do it just out of inspiration because a little bit of my background is I I've tried to get into a job with cars. I've been let down at sort of the my intelligence basically trying to get you don't out, yeah. have to
1: be bright to do this dude just stick with
0: it trust no, me. no you don't no no but it was a, it was an engineering degree i tried to do oh. but it didn't didn't work out but i'm here now and i'm enjoying this a lot more i think i would being in school what kept you going through you talk openly about your mental health what kept you going through those sort of darker times and the struggle and what kept you pushing forward
1: that's that's a tricky one because i dealt with it either very badly or okayly um for No, I I think in my early twenties I had a I had a big I had a big mental health wobble, and then I didn't get it fixed properly, and I became very fixated on work. Became very very fixated on work to the point where it was really unhealthy. But because I had a very clear goal, yeah, people kind of went, oh, he's just he's just work oriented. That's all that is. Um, I think when I finally admitted there was a problem, I, I I was what? How old was I? God knows mid thirties anyway when I finally admitted there was that there was there was an issue I kind of I took it a lot more seriously um so I ended up with taking more breaks saying no to more things um I was lucky in the fact that you know I was at a stage in my career where I could say no to stuff without too much worry of of it coming back to bite me I mean when you say no you can't do something to to any client any 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 time If they say, well, we're not going to use you again, then they're probably not worth working with anyway. But, um, you know, I was I was lucky that I could say look, I I can't do this. I uh, I um, I had to kind of teach myself that it's not um, that the 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 dark bits don't are not um, infinite. They are finite. Um, They are horrible little chemical imbalances that do kick your ass um and there are things that i know when i'm starting to slip so i know what i need to do i wrote a thing about it for um for gq a couple of years ago and uh you kind of you, you take stock of where you are what's going on how you can make your situation more comfortable who you can talk to about it be it a therapist or be it a um be it a um a friend family member whoever um and you know, talk it through, make sure you're in the right place. If you know it's if it's getting really bad, talk to your GP, but know and recognize throughout this entire thing that it's not just uh it it's it's uh the the problem isn't isn't just a you thing. You can yeah. help. You can get help and other people will be there to look after you and to to look out for you if you need it. Uh which is something that I didn't recognise really early on. It's like I'd I'd start slipping and I'd start feeling awful and I would think, oh well, it's just a me problem um i don't want to I don't want to bother other other people with it, which is a you know it, it's an un, it's understandable because that's what your brain is telling you you're in a monologue is is pretty savage yeah. um but you also have to remember that your friends are friends for a reason yeah um so yeah talk 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 to the doctor if you need to, but don't be afraid to talk about it because you're definitely not the only person in the world who's had something like that
0: It's okay to talk right well Tacona is a brand that's changing mental health awareness. I have always been one that's found it hard to talk, and that my feelings, well, they weren't exactly best spoken. Once I found Tacona and learned more about what Lewis does, I was amazed that a clothing brand is making people aware just with one simple logo. If you see a Tacona t-shirt, a shirt, a cap, a hat, a sticker, whatever it is, you know that person knows it's okay to talk, and because they want to help spread the message, so, is giving us ten percent off. So, if you listen to this podcast, in the show notes below will be a link to the website. And if you use code ignition ten, you get ten percent off store wide products. So, enjoy and enjoy the rest of the episode. No, it's, it's definitely something that I think we've all dealt with. I personally have my own struggles with it, but it's like I say, it's all about catching it first, knowing yeah. how to deal with it, and and speaking because obviously that's that's the way we deal with things. We get them out. We we're tribal animals, so we like to, we like to con- we like to converse. Yeah. Moving on from sort of the worst part of your brains to the better part of your brains, when you're looking at writing articles and talking about your passion, where did you get inspiration from? Um, oh, sorry,
1: there's some police going past. God
0: bless living in
1: central London. Um, Run! Crime! Um, inspiration, you know what? It, it used to take me ages to kind of gear myself up to do writing, to scribble, to to get myself in into the space. But so long as the subject matter's good um i can pretty much stream of consciousness now i mean there are some days where you just go i can't do this i cannot function like i've had days where i need to write a script you know five six seven hundred word script should be able to knock that out fairly easily and you just can't like every keystroke is a pain everything is a struggle and sometimes you've got to step back and you've got to get away from the guilt that oh i really should be doing something it's like there's no deadline you're fine don't worry um And, uh, yeah, I think, so my, my kind of inspiration, a lot of the time is literally just pulling it out of my ass and hoping it works. Um, which does, I, you know, I, I, I really wish I had this sort of amazing kind of out of body trippy experience that would show me the way to create perfect everything. But the reality of it is I've writing or writing anything or doing anything creative can become a muscle if I do something that genuinely challenges me, I have to sit, about I have to sit and think about it. I have to learn all around the topic. I have to, I have to envelop myself in it. Um, but if, if we're talking, so uh, say that, say that GQ piece, um, yeah. the, the mental health one, um, that was very personal. And despite it being a very difficult topic, it was quite easy to write because I just threw it on the page and it worked out yeah. okay. And I obviously I tweaked it because I wanted it to be right. But for me, I think the, the, the first bit is just throw it on a page. See what happens. If it's any good. Brilliant. If it's rubbish, have another go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it's not. Um, yeah, I, I I'm kind of I'm lucky that I'm past the the kind of tortured struggle of how to make every word. Every word must be exacting. But sometimes, you know, I throw it on a page and I think that's all right. And then I get an editor come back saying, no, that's genuinely terrible. Do it again like it's i I it happens to lots of people it, i'm sure it doesn't happen to your frankles and your catch poles and all that but <laughs> you know for me i that's how i work i just kind of get it out of my system and then yeah hopefully it turns out okay
0: yeah a subject matter you kind of mentioned quite a lot is little odd british cars yes i i like weird british stuff I want to play a bit of Devil's Advocate. Why? Um, why not some big Lamborghini with a V12, breathing horsepower and spitting out tarmac?
1: So when I was a kid, like I don't know where this has come from. And there's a there's a piece in there somewhere that I really want to write, and I really want to figure out how to do it before I pitch it to anyone. Of just why people get so hooked on specific vehicles, right? Um, you know, my my late father loved Audis. He was an Audi man. He wanted he had an a, an 80, another 80, then an A4, an A4, an S4, and then he died. Um, and so we were always obsessed with Audis. We liked watching Top Gear together, but it, it was it was Audis. Um, I remember when I was a kid down the road from my grandmother's house, there was a, a dealership called Dream Machines. I mean, the, the husk of it is still in uh, Heathfield in Sussex, I think, uh, somewhere. And it used to sell Lotus TVR. And I think they did Morgan, but I don't know. And I remember every time I went to visit Grant, I used to be glued to this TVR, TVR Tuscan, amazing thing. I was about thirteen. Cool, cool, cool thing. Adored it. And so it was Audis and British stuff. And then when I got older, and I could like afford my own cars, like when when I was twelve, I saw that I saw this yellow car in the back of a PlayStation magazine. Cause so it used to like sure. long before Amazon or anything like this. Wow, well, long before the internet was something you could record a podcast over um it wasn't a reliable way of buying or selling things it was all very insecure it was all horrible so the way you used to be able to buy video games if it wasn't from hmv or game or anything like that there would be in the back of games mags just lists of titles and numbers and you'd ring a number or you'd send in a thing with a check um and with the with the reference number on it and then you would get games back um, but this one was uh, had a competition going on and in the bottom very center bottom of the page there was a side profile of a yellow sports car and i remember saying to my dad what is that that is the coolest thing i've ever seen i must have one and my dad said that's a lotus elise and it was an s1 elise bright yellow norfolk mustard i think the color was and i went i'm having one of those 125 and that was that and i don't get why i like weird hand-built british stuff i just do um you know some people lose their minds over porsches like you meet the porsche people who are just like well if you cut me i bleed stuttgart and i go that's weird see a doctor um you know with collections vast collections of 911s and and porsche logos and they do porsche tours you get people who are obsessed with lamborghinis you get the proper supercar guys i mean i used to be like that like i used to know i was encyclopedic i would have every Engine size, horsepower, torque, not to sixty, top speed—just yeah. drilled into my head. Because anything, anything with a big motor and point, uh, any, anything pointy with a big motor was exciting. Yeah. And then, um, uh, and then, yeah, I just sort of got latched onto British stuff, and I, I don't know why. I'd love to know why. I'd love to know where it came from. I'm not a particularly patriotic person.
0: <laughs> Didn't you watch the Jubilee then?
1: Yeah. Well, I, 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 I watched some of it because it was quite cool, but I don't, I don't sort of. I don't walk down the streets and see Union flags flying and go, oh, well, queen and country. I go, Ooh, this is, are we, is it a bit EDL around here? <laughs> is it? No, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I kind of, I wasn't, I don't, um, I, I'm not kind of rabidly patriotic. So I don't like them because they're British. I like yeah. them and they happen to be British.
0: No, I think they break down a lot. <laughs> they <laughs> do. <I> think- well,
1: <laughs> you know what? You say that. Um, my my Elise I had a of lease for eight years and I got through a lot of batteries but that's because the Immobiliser ate them because I didn't drive it enough so that's on me ah. um, the Morgans had a couple of little issues but they were eminently fixable and my Aston has been absolutely fine
0: in terms of joy then because you said you, joy of driving these things must give you immense joy mm. which, which car has given you the most and what was it uh,
1: Morgan three-wheeler easily I liked it so much I bought one it's uh, honestly, it is impossible to be miserable in that thing. I've driven it through a hailstorm. I've driven it through lightning at 70 miles an hour. I've driven it through gale force winds, you know, torrential everything, uh, bright sunshine, cold warmth, you name yeah. it. You cannot be miserable in it. I mean, the, it, it handles terribly. Uh, it's not that great on fuel. It's not very aerodynamic. It's uh, it's, it's not very fast. It's, it's I definitely wouldn't fancy my chances in a crash. But it makes people smile. It does um, it makes you smile behind the wheel? It makes everyone you see smile. They're very confused when, uh, in my case, a tiny purple shark overtakes them at quite some speed. Uh, but they, uh, it, it just people people really like it. They, I think it's because it's so weird and so yeah. out of out of whack with anything they'd expect to see. I mean, mine's got a face, which kind of humanizes it, or not humanizes it, but but makes it seem friendlier. Um, and uh yeah so it, it it's you know it's just a happy happy bright bouncy little thing um and because it isn't because you you don't need to be on a knife edge to get the best out of it you can you can play with it at 30 miles an hour you know it yeah. wobbles it's it's softly sprung it won't it won't throw you around so I've got, you know because you can play with it um at such low speeds because it makes noise and it's it's drama but it's tiny You know, I don't have to be doing 130 miles an hour to get a little bit of a skid out of it. And if I do get a bit of a skid out of it, you know, it won't spin and kill me because it's so, so pliable on its limit you know it, you, you don't have to be chris harris to get the best out of it and i'm definitely not chris harris and neither is i hate to break it to you neither are 99.9 percent of the people who claim to be chris, chris harris. harris you know oh I, I i got it super sideways on that roundabout did you or did you lose control and do you belong in prison <laughs> the hold my beer brigade are wonderful <laughs>
0: Definitely. And um, the flip side, the one that's given you maybe the most headaches or is confused or frustrated you the most?
1: Uh, Alfa Romeo 4C.
0: That's very quick.
1: It's uh, because it's the car that should have been perfect. Mm. Um, It's not the fact that there was so much hype around it, that that didn't help. Uh, You know, it's a car that should. It was carbon bodied. It was beautiful. Hmm oh well the headlights are a bit weird it's carbon body it was beautiful it was italian it had um you know a new engine it had admittedly the wrong gearbox um but it had everything going for it it was supposed to be this rebirth of alfa romeo the same mm. rebirth that's supposed to have happened so many times by now um but this was going to be that that big turning point um and I knew the g like I, the initial launch was at their test track in Italy and it was all very smooth and very wonderful. And The reviews came back. It's, like, oh, it's brilliant. It's the car that Alfa always should have been making. And then I uh, and then the UK review started coming in and I was like, this is a bit weird. What's the big change? And I got in it. Um, we did a, an X car film with this in Wales. And. The steering was terrible the seats were uncomfortable the visibility was terrible like even in a mid-engine car where the visibility is quite poor yeah the visibility was awful the engine sounded terrible the gearbox was just a bit cack uh the steering uh you know because the suspension was so like badly put together It just went everywhere. I mean, it tried to, you know, I had to fight it in a straight line on a Welsh mountain road to not fall off the edge of a cliff. Like that was, that was kind of, it was a seat of your pants kind of thing, which some people might see as a positive, but I see as a real wasted opportunity. Um, If it had had a bit more money and a bit more time, it could have been a thousand times better. It could have, it could have, it could have been that car because it was what, 45 grand, 200 and something horsepower. And it was pretty, um, but instead, a ten-year-old Lotus Elise just ran rings around it, and that was, you know, half the price or similar to buy new. But you could get one for half the price used. That may may not have been quite as quick, but the steering was properly set up, the suspension was sorted. The you know, as, as a thing, it was just it was just better. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was I was disappointed with it to the point of being quite cross with it. Um, and it will forever be my benchmark of. This is this is how not to do it. And I think there's a lot of people that
0: that have that. Like, what's your biggest disappointment? Alpha 4C. Yeah, we've got the yellow at one end and the Alpha the other. Um, yeah. What, I mean, what I do think you think we're... about the Maserati MC20, I blue, isn't
1: it? mc not had a go. I like the idea of it. I think it would have... I, the, the interesting thing is, if you look back through Maserati's concepts, the Alfieri sports car concept looks very much like the Ferrari Roma doesn't it? Looks <laughs> it a does. lot like the Ferrari Roma. <laughs> and, you know, that whole mid-engine V6 thing, or maybe a, a, if there was a company that had its own quite powerful V6 um, and maybe maybe wanted to fix some wrongs for a mid-engine sports car, maybe that would have been really good. Um but hey, alfa Romeo doesn't have a sports car and Maserati has the MC twenty. So yeah. <laughs> And Ferrari has the Roma. Um I like the idea of it. Um by all accounts, it's great. Um but yeah, I've I've not really been near it. I went to the unveil of it in here's here, here's a bit of a here's a bit of a weird one. At the uh at the uh Autodromo di Modena in September
0: 2020.
1: Ah, uh-huh. Yeah. Flew to Italy in 2020 to watch a car be unveiled. That was sketch, man. It was proper sketch. (laughs) Um, and it was such a strange ceremony because they had all this Maserati heritage stuff. And it was all, it was all very weird. There were, there were dances. There was interpretive dance. They had, um, Mr. JWW come on stage and interview a racing driver. Um, and uh, they, the, the event itself had credits, like this three-story list of credits. It was so weird. I just got trashed and went, this is strange. Um, <laughs> everything looks pretty. Everything looks pretty. Like, all the heritage cars are great. The MC20's over there somewhere. I'm not going to go near it because it's covered in people. Um, and I, uh, I, yeah, I saw it properly the next day and I was quite blown away. Like, the, the shape is ace. The Maserati's commitment to Trident's. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Every every alloy design has some sort of trident in it. The rear window of the MC20 has a trident in it. Like, go and look after this. There's a trident yeah. um, There's tridents everywhere because they're very, very passionate about their their, their tridenty goodness. And yeah, like the, the engine itself is like... They keep saying, oh, it's Formula One tech. Oh, this is clever. It seems to me like if it works, it'll be brilliant. Yeah. But... It's very tricky and very complicated. It's like a second spark in it somewhere, or there's some some magic halfway down. It's, like, it's Formula One technology, is yeah, Formula One has to last an hour and a half. <laughs> Maserati has to last maybe towards the end of the driveway, please. Uh, but no, I, I love the idea of it. I'll, I'll I'll have a go if I need to. If I if I find a decent excuse, uh, we'll have a, we'll have a crack at one.
0: Yeah, do, please do. I think it'd be funny to see you in it. Oh, I very much enjoy that. <laughs> Motorsport, gamers and car enthusiasts alike, Ignition is giving away the chance to win a copy of my favourite racing games, Forza Horizon 5, the Premium Edition or Gran Turismo 7 based on what console you have. The rules for this giveaway are simple, for those looking to get their hands on a copy go to our Instagram page at weareignition, that is we, letter R, Ignition, give us a follow and find your favourite episode, tag 3 friends and comment on the game you want. For an additional entry, see our post about the giveaway and share it on your story. The giveaway starts on Friday the 1st of July and ends on the 30th of July. The giveaway is not endorsed by Spotify or Instagram and is entirely separate from those platforms. All rules and regulations will be on the website. And for further information, check the show notes below. Now, back to the interview. And, I mean, I know we talk about the past, but going towards the future, I mean what would you see for yourself what would you like to be doing are you doing what you want to do or is there anything you'd like to set up or maybe start um
1: mm, 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 mm. i think i'd like to tick off a telly show i'd very much like to do that um a bit of talking head on one well <laughs> mm, they've already got a very lovely l- group of group of presenters and i i mm. i remember there were in 2015 uh, i was invited to Actually, hang on. Ant Anstead got gone on the record and said he auditioned for it. So I, w- I, was, I was invited to screen <laughs> test for the for the Chris Evans one, and it was the most surreal day. It was brilliant. Oh, wow. Um, it was really, really cool. Uh, it was very special. I'm very lucky to have done it. To have gotten that close was great. Uh, sadly, that series of Top Gear, by all accounts, didn't review very well. I didn't get the job, so I couldn't really watch it because it, it stung a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to do a telly. I think that would be... That's kind of on my big list. I know it's becoming a sort of legacy media, a little bit like newspapers, but mm. there's there's space for the right kind of long-form content there. But I, I wouldn't want to make a build show because at the moment, car telly is... We've got this car. Either we've bought this car or this person's brought us this car. We've got arbitrary time limits to make it good um and there's no and that there's no sort of or that there's because of this time pressure and this b story of and now we're going to make some money on it that doesn't interest me at all because there's so many people that do it better like wheeler dealers exists we don't need that yeah. again or um gas monkey or um goblin works or uh salvage hunters classic cars or or or, or, or like yeah there's, there's- Millions. don't need another one of those i i i want to make the show i want to make and i, I you know again I, I got close with one um but then the the people we were talking to kind of lost interest which was a, a great shame um but yeah i've got ideas for stuff there's definitely ideas for for things and to, to do a telly properly uh would would just be just be absolutely mega um ideally future wise you know i'm i'm doing okay um i'd want to expand i'd want to do more but at the moment the media itself um is facing a bit of a tough time i mean not only is cost of living going up and everything about to yeah. become you know a financial nightmare but also words are cheap content is cheap um and the thing i've been finding recently is you know freelance word rates never go up they always go down and some people go well if you don't like it don't take it but then you're stuck without without it so um yeah keeping keeping afloat is one thing developing you know developing some sort of business um or something i don't know and i'd, I'd like to i think i at the moment we're just out the other side of a uh of a pandemic which was yeah. tough that was really tough um as a as a freelancer you know i was i was two years deep um and i was sort of i was established ish as a freelancer i had some great clients um but it was very difficult to find uh the energy to keep going at some points because it was couldn't couldn't go out and film stuff couldn't go out and drive stuff so it was a lot of listicles a lot of interviews a lot of this a lot of that like um and it was it was super tough so at the moment i'm kind of trying to concentrate on getting myself back to where i wanted to be two years ago even where i was two years ago yeah um the, the the future i hope to build on it i hope to build and build and build um do more um do more cool stuff uh i think is yeah, the why not? is 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 the end goal do more cool stuff um hopefully do a telly and that mm. that that would be nice like i i don't want i don't have aims on world domination i why just not? want to, why not well <laughs> it's a lot of paperwork man a lot of paperwork and the more people you have the more people you have to deal with the more difficult everything gets but now i you know i want to be happy i want to do cool stuff yeah. have fun um you know uh, save the world one supercar at a time and maybe help a few people along the way uh, do more mental health things i don't know how but yeah. we'll um we'll uh, we'll see Yeah,
0: well, um, just a, just a quick one what, what makes you happy then
1: Ooh, making things making things making things no, genuinely no. makes me happy um Whether it's, you know, whether it is spewing out stream of consciousness, seeing it out there, having people um, having people enjoy it. um, I have this thing. I can't read the comments on stuff anymore. I used to be able to. um, I used to find it quite funny in my early 20s. I found it hilarious. But that was unbeknownst to me when I had some quite serious mental health stuff going on. And it turns out reading people giving you a kicking is not good. No matter how loudly you laugh, you're not actually laughing you get to a stage where you can read, like it's, it's a known thing. You can read a hundred comments saying this guy is great. Love this guy. And then you get to one saying, I hate you. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had death threats before. I've had people commenting on my, on my, my lack of hair. Like there's nothing I can do about it. They're jealous. Uh, no well there's nothing to be well you don't have to go to the hairdresser and I never buy shampoo. I had a guy on Reddit say, Oh this guy's got a really punchable face, I just want to punch his face and I, I replied to him saying, you know, I fart him asleep and my mother loves me, but there's some things I just can't change, sorry. Um, uh, there's one I remember quite recently we did a the the carfection video, we did a walk around of Ian Callum's uh, Vanquish you know, huge day for me. And I was aware that I was doing less exercise and I was trying to fix that. So there was perhaps a little bit more of me than, than there used to be. But I was also, I started there in my mid twenties. I was then in my early thirties. Bodies change, friends. Bodies, people, they they change. I was wearing quite a, a, a tight fitting top and I was really pleased with the video because Ian, he's just a dream to talk to. He's, he's one of my favouriteest people. And uh, I was looking through the comments and this one bloke goes, Alex, I like your work, but you have become fat. And like, what? What good does that do to anyone? Like, why does that person feel the need to say that? It would be like if someone walked up to anyone in the street and went, I hate you. All they know is that is that little 20 minutes or that yeah. little 10 minutes. And yet they there's this sort of uh, possession uh, they, they feel they have, which is. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, gone off on a little bit of a tangent. Um, making things um improving improving things doing things better i never want to phone anything in you know each script has to be a little bit smarter a little bit uh like slightly better written um each uh each each video you know i want to keep the the level of presenting i want to keep it up there i don't want to be half asleep even if i am half asleep you don't want to appear like that um i want people to enjoy what i do i mean most recently um you'll see me banging on about it on various social networks i've i've started doing photography um you know the plan was to get better at it in 2020 obviously 2020 happened uh and so i started it more in earnest in 2021 and you know doing that and doing it well is a huge thing for me because i, I put out a picture and people go oh my god this is better than before um you know i had a one of the things that was a sort of mental health hurdle for me was I was very success-obsessed. I had to drive all the cars, I had to do the next thing, I had to be the best, I had to be this, I had to be that. And that was, that was detrimental. But taking that in moderation and just seeing incremental improvements here and there and building on that and, see, and celebrating your own progress and going, you know what, I started off here and I was a bit rubbish and now I'm here and I'm a bit less rubbish. Um, you know, don't believe your own hype, don't blow smoke up your own arse, but... You know, seeing and noticing how different a person you are now to you were then. It, it's it's important to recognise it. it's important to celebrate
0: it. I think it's very important. I mean, I do a bunch of self-development stuff and my own time like reading. And it's one of those things where even if you get 1% better anything every day, you're 37 times better by the end of the year. And it snowballs and you can see it happening. And especially this podcast, the first one to now looking yeah. at... The, with the podcast, difference.
1: like if if the gas station pod is sold was still was still available i think i've got it on a hard drive somewhere it's definitely not on apple anymore because the bloke so, server we hosted it on went on fire but he was hosting it for free so it was, it was yeah. before podcasts were easier to to create it was, it was complicated it takes really seconds adorable. yeah not not then not then <laughs> um in the in the old days wow i sound like a proper old fart but yeah it was the, the first one was just awful um, and the editing got slowly and slowly better and the, the quality yeah. of the audio got better and, you know, it all just became a little bit more and then you would go and listen to the early one and go, wow, that was rubbish. And then the later ones go, yeah, that's passable. I wouldn't kick that out of bed.
0: No, and I haven't yet, so <laughs> there we, there yeah. we go. Brilliant. Um, so it's sort of going on from that and looking at what what it excites you about sort of the long form content. What did you like to develop in that?
1: Um, I think... Think that uh, it's with long-form stuff. I love telling a story. One of the, one of my proudest bits of film was uh in 2014, I think. The X Car Crew, 2013, 2013, maybe 2014. The X Car Crew flew to the U.S. and we did a three-week tour of doing stuff filming things and yeah. on the way out i was reading a book about john delorean because we were going to, to visit the delorean motor company in a place called umball texas run by this scouse guy called stephen Wynn, lovely bloke he started off as a as a french car specialist in la and all of these delorean owners because it had a french engine started bringing yeah. it in going can you fix this it's broken all the time and he ended up buying <laughs> the company um it's a fascinating story but we uh, yeah ended up um on the flight over, I was sort of finishing the book and I turned around to the guys and went, we need to make a documentary about this bloke because it's, it's genuinely fascinating. Because, yeah. uh, you know, you get all the stories saying, oh, he was arrested for, for, for cocaine and all that. Like he, that, that. That was entrapment. That's a, a lie. Um, but he was a crook. He was a massive crook. <laughs> um, at least at least according to the books i'd read and i was like we have to actually tell this story properly so we ended up interviewing loads of people It took two years we wanted to i wanted to release it on back to the future day which is what october the something 2015 and yeah. i'm glad we didn't because everything was back to the future we waited a bit longer you know we amassed hours and hours of interviews and we talked to the most fascinating people and um it ended up being like a 47 minute long documentary It's on YouTube somewhere. And I was so proud of that because it took so bloody long to put together. Um, But the product we got at the end was just ace because it didn't need any presenting. We didn't need to point the audience in any direction. It flows beautifully. The story, you know, the story is the story. We got access to some incredible people. The filming situations weren't necessarily the easiest um, because we had, uh, you know, we had to film inside a transport museum. Um, we had to film had to get people and things wherever we could. when um, we ended up traveling to Northern Ireland we drove around the original test track, which was super cool. weren't allowed in the factory, the original factory because it's now they're like oh the official we were at the 35th anniversary Delorean workers meeting and they said, well, there's going to be an official DVD and only this crew's allowed in to film. but here here's a bloke with a with a Delorean and there's the test track and we were like, this is better this is definitely better that'll work that's all work that'll work for us um yeah we interviewed we interviewed all manner of people people that were you know, matt farrah we interviewed him about his um i think the, the, the doc starts you know it's him driving in his car like if i ever sell this something's gone seriously wrong and the day before we were ready to put it out he said he he was selling his car and i was like matt mate no don't <laughs> don't do that don't do that that's bad bad um but yeah we interviewed so it was just fascinating and i'm really proud of that and it it won an award it won a telly award in the states a silver telly award um which was yeah well thank you because i'm i'm still i'm blown away by it and the amount of comments i get from people who've watched it it hasn't done big numbers it hasn't done the millions and millions and millions because it's not you know a 9-11 doing skids um you know and it's 47 minutes long and who watches a 47 minute long video on youtube or at least back then they didn't um and it was, it was just, it, I'm, I, I want to make stuff like that. I really do. I think I, I really enjoyed it and I'm really proud of it. And I don't have to be in front of the camera to do that. Um, I've just got to talk to a lot of people. But The problem is they're very, very expensive to make. Um, and they take a lot of time in this case, two years. Um, but you know, it, it maybe one day, uh, but I but maybe one day is something I need to stop saying
0: uh, perhaps. So just start, start making it happen. Yeah. Whatever, whatever start, needs to happen. Start making things. Just start filming yourself for an hour and see what happens. Oh, I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I know we come towards the end, Alex, but there's a couple of questions I sort of like to ask at the end. And yeah, I know one of them, one of them being, if you have any three cars, I mean, you've, you've mentioned the Aston, you missed, mentioned the Morgan, but sort of any any three cars, there's no limit. Price, price isn't a thing. What would you have?
1: Um, I would have a, uh, Bugatti Veyron. I mean, Chiron, Chiron's cool, but Veyron's sort of the origin of the species. And I think as a, as a thing, it is an engineering marvel. Um, I was lucky enough to drive one a thousand million years ago. And it, it's just the most incredible bit of kit. I adore it. Absolutely adore it. Uh, as, as a sort of, as a feat, as, as a feat of engineering, it was humanity going, watch this. And there were so many, so many troubles with making it. There's a book called like the Bugatti Veyron, The Celebrity or something like that. Mm. And it's all about the development of the car and like how it achieved the celebrity status and how, you know, everyone knows about the Veyron. like Everyone knew about it because it was this engineering marvel. It, a thousand horsepower mm. in a road car that would do it time and time again. 250 miles an hour. Like ridiculous speeds. And it would do it Every day, not just you know once, like a McLaren yeah. F1. You know, it would do it reliably and 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 all that. You know, it was you know, a McLaren F1. You know, an incredible piece of engineering and would do those speeds. But this was other level stuff. This yeah. was you know faster and uh, just mind blowing. An Audi RS6, because I'm an Audi boy through and through. Um, thanks to me, thanks to me, old man. The RS6, it's
0: the best one they've got.
1: Yeah. Um yeah I'd, I'd have one of those i'd have the the last generation one uh in the in that sort of chalky gray because it nagaro gray or whatever it is it? nardo gray nardo gray that's the one is uh uh the blue is is nagano no blue whatever it is uh yeah uh, so nardo gray uh we ran one at, at uh carfection for for nine months and it was honestly it was just the best thing <laughs> because i could i could travel up the country in comfort at warp speed yeah. um it was it was hilarious i, I took it on a mate stag do. And I'd have people, oh, no. people would be, so that was a five, five up driving to Leeds and just demolishing the motorway, which was, which was ace. But then people heard that Alex had bought a silly car. And uh, when we were doing rides to the various things we were, we were doing, I'd have like a rotating thing of people. like Right, so we're going to join the motorway. Three, two, one, we're at motorway speed. <laughs> 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 like, just the most ridiculous thing. Um, and finally, I would have my Morgan three wheeler. Cause it's just the best thing ever it's it's love ludicrous it. and it's it's it wobbles and bits fall off it and I love it
0: now yeah, you found those bits or they
1: they still somewhere uh well there is one bit of it still on a service road in Portugal somewhere I know that for sure um <laughs> but yeah on a, I did a I did a two and a half thousand mile road trip in it so I was working down in Lisbon for a month um and I was like it was in my first year of freelance, not quite full year. I'd left in I'd left um, the the horrible job in February, and this job was this other job was in October in uh, mid mid September to mid October. And I said to the people I was working with, "Look, rather than fly me out, can you get me a ferry? Because I'm going to drive. I'm gonna do this road trip, and it'll be great." Um, yeah. So I drove down 600 miles after 26 hours on a ferry. Cannot recommend. Um, and then. Left it at a storage place in Lisbon, went off and did my work, flew back and forth to the UK to do various bits of work and and other things when I wasn't needed. And then, yeah, drove it up the coast to Portugal, kept the sea to the left, did Lisbon to Porto in a week and then realised, my my co-driver, she's uh, an Australian journalist, uh, Noelle Faulkner, she was was game for a laugh. And she uh, decided that, uh, well, we kind of both figured out that you can't drive slowly from Porto to London in a week. Uh, so we ah. had to nail it up the continent. During which time um yeah, one of the uh the bolts that keeps the luggage rack attached just let go. Um that decided it wasn't going to play ball anymore. Um so yeah, luckily retrieved enough of that to make something new out of it. Um and we had to what else did we have to do? Uh yeah, the belt started squeaking at quite at 70 miles an hour, which is a little concerning. I had a panic attack entering Spain. Um, we yeah uh, we that's when we drove through hailstorms and thunderstorms and things like that. Ah, it was it, it was quite the experience. Great, <laughs> I, sounds, love it. Sounds, I love Sounds it.
0: brilliant. I might have to try yeah. that. Not in a morning, oh, but something. <laughs>
1: definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah,
0: and you might have already answer one car and one road. Where would you go and what would you take? That's really tough. Um,
1: probably uh the three wheeler and the Route Napoleon. I mean I own the three wheeler so I know what it's like and I know what it can do so I'm a little bit like I will take the car I know I I like so long as it I, can, can I choose the weather as well
0: yeah I guess <laughs> this is the first but cool. yeah go for it.
1: 22 degrees and sunny that's all like that's all I ask cuz in the rain no I don't have a roof no. but in the uh, in the sun it's just the best thing ever
0: room temperature just all, all room, the way yeah
1: room room temperature just I can wear I can wear a t-shirt and a pair of sunglasses and I'm happy
0: yeah. Uh, the most important modification or part of the car, depending on your opinion.
1: Uh, tyres. I tend to stick with with mine. I tend to stick as OEM as possible because I value originality. But if you buy any car used, buy new tyres, just view it as an extra expense um, because well, tyres and a wheel alignment, they are your only contact between car and ground. And if they're not up to snuff, you can get in trouble real quick. Like in, uh, you know, I've been in cars with shag tyres before, like fairly powerful cars with tyres that aren't legal. But nah, nah, like you, you need to be really careful. I know I know, it's a very boring and, you know, uh, other people say like nitrous, bigger turbos, superchargers, everything, machine guns. But like, <laughs> get, get a decent set of tyres. Um, yeah, yeah. A fresh, new, perfect like that suits the car you don't, you don't need a set of Trofeo R's on an Abarth uh, but at the same time you don't want the set of All Seasons on a Lamborghini
0: there's <laughs> <laughs> a fine but, balance
1: yeah um, uh, to, to, to be even more boring I'd throw brakes into that as well because if your car's brakes are knackered, if your tyres are knackered and your brakes are knackered when you need to stop you can't and you turn a child into paste and you don't want to do that yeah. So yeah. Tires, I know. Very boring. Tires, brakes, weird alignment. Make sure the bit that attaches to the floor and can stop you won't kill you.
0: And a very smart remove all the weight once. So I think yeah. that's a a good cheap, nice modification. And the last, the last question is: any advice to a young budding journalist, motor enthusiast? Any? What would you give?
1: What would you say? Uh, if what to to get into automotive journalism? Yes. Or, right. More so I'll give you. I'll give you the piece of advice that I was given. Mm-hmm. Um uh well th- th- there's two one, never go away because I didn't and I'm still here. Um, you know, I was lucky that I had the resource to do it to do the internships to create the to, to, to do stuff to basically have no work for ages yeah. uh, but two, if you if you want to go into oh, it depends if you want to go into the influence influencer side of things, then perhaps this isn't the best advice. but if you want <laughs> to go into the journalism side of things, it's not about you. And it was, you know, it, it's not the greatest thing to hear, yeah. but it will make so much sense, like, especially early in your career. Because I remember, I remember going as a young freelancer, pitching to places, I want to go to drift school. Let's do a I learn to drift feature. I want to go to learn how to do my race license. Let's do an I learn to do my thing. And the, this, this uh, editor chap called uh, Alistair Weaver, he's now heads up Edmonds in the US. He turned around and went, no one cares about you. How will it benefit them? To learn that you had a lovely time. No one wants to see that you had a lovely time. What they want to see is how they can benefit from a situation. What can they learn from it? What can they develop from it? Um, and just remembering that is is key. And I sort of carried that with me forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So in any of the films I do, it's never about me. It's always about the car. What is the car? What can it do for the viewer it can make me happy and i can say this makes me happy but you have to qualify it with why because then other people can empathize with it um you know if you do um if you if you do a piece saying look at me do a thing when it's not your channel when it's not your magazine Mm. you're not adding anything of value to anyone other than yourself um and that's that that's not what a reader wants i mean if you go down the influencer side of things You know, it is all about look at the great time I'm having. Look at how brilliant my life is. Look at my car. And, you know, what an audience member, what what someone in the audience would get from that is, you know, I want that lifestyle. I want to buy those things. I want to be part of part of that. Whereas with the journalism thing, you're there to report on what something will do or has done. Yeah. um not on how brilliant it how brilliant your life is you know the side effect of that is that when you get to a certain point where you know people follow you on instagram or they follow you on twitter or they they're interested in you because of the stuff that you have done but you know i'm i have no doubt that if i turn around and launched you know alex goy on youtube tomorrow and went look at how great my life is no one would care because my my job is to tell is to tell stories about cool stuff not to tell stories about me because at the at the very end of the day you know I'm not a particularly interesting human being I've been very lucky to have done some fascinating incredible things but you know me turning around going hi guys yeah so for breakfast today I had a, a scotch pancake and a cup of tea and now I'm just going to sit at my desk for six hours and write a story for a magazine thanks don't forget to like and subscribe please don't hate me um no I I couldn't I couldn't do that um plus on especially on the influencer side those guys hustle they work so hard like you would not believe um you know there used to be this sort of massive journalist versus influencer standoff you know it was got quite quite vicious at points but the thing is the journal like admittedly some of the influencers were turning up in ferraris that journalists could never dream of affording which is always you start off with that bit of jealousy um but the fact of the matter is the journalist would turn up, eat the lunch, have a lovely time, do the work they have to do, and then move on to the next job. The influencer would have done a bunch of posts about it. They would have taken a full set of images, edited them, had them ready to go, then done a video, then, or two videos, then edited this, then edited that, and had it all ready to go. They've done the job of an entire outlet, whereas a journalist has done one thing. Now, I'm not saying the journalist isn't doing enough, because I, I know what work involves you know, right. what, what work is involved in all of that and what your job is but you know the influencer guys they hustle so hard and you cannot you know even if one is obnoxious and you don't like the look of them you can't deny they're pumping out a video a day and they're making a difference to the audience that watches them and the audience is big yeah um but yeah so yeah but best advice don't go away um and don't make it about you if you want to be a journalist um because it's not until you get Big. Oh, and read and write. Do all the things. Like read all the time, write all the time. That's Steve Cropley's best piece of advice: is read, 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 and write, write, write. Not necessarily about cars. Read, Just read nature magazines. Reads, yeah. um, read stuff that you don't normally read. So I, I don't particularly like reading I know, period period dramas, but you know there could be something in there that can inform your language or make your writing better.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure, Alex. I think you possibly I've never laughed more. Yeah. <laughs> these. So, so thank sorry you about for that. that. No, it's Sorry about that. <laughs> that's
1: that's ju that's just my big bald face bouncing around the zoom call like that ZBD menu thing.
0: brilliant. <laughs> 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 no, well thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode, I want to say a huge thank you, firstly for listening, but also making it towards the end. Now, there are more of this. There are more conversations like this on the podcast. I aim to try and explore what it's like being in every inch of the industry, from influencers to journalists to engineers and even race principles. I don't care what you do. I just want to know how you do it. And so if you listen to the podcast and you like what you hear, and maybe you have a cool job of your own, do drop me an email. It will be in the show notes below. It's harry at ignitionpod.com. harry at ignitionpod.com. Drop me a message. Drop me a message and let's find out what you do. I wanted to say a massive well done and thank you for taking your time to listen to what me and my guests have to say. This podcast was designed to help people in the automotive and motorsport industries. And so if you think I've done that, please hit follow on this app. I would really appreciate it and it would help us get bigger and better
1: guests. See you next time.